Joining me today is fellow RC enthusiast Ed Wenger. I met Ed at a local crawling meet. After talking with him, I found out we've been involved in the hobby for about the same time. But compared to me, Eddie's working really hard on advancing his skills to become a competitive crawler. So I found his story and insights both amusing and helpful. So for any casual backyard crawler looking to move up to the local comp scene or beyond, I hope you enjoy our conversation as much as I did. Hi Ed, thanks for joining me today, you know, taking the time to, to chat with me about RC. Oh, no problem. I know that you haven't been in the hobby for long, so when did you first start in the hobby? Well, it would have been Christmas 2018. That's almost identical to me. Yeah. <laughs> I got lured in by a Christmas sale. <laughs> <laughs> so what got you started? I have a son, he was eight at the time, and as most parents do, you, you want to get yourself or your son, uh, some Christmas toys. So we had always bought him the toy grade stuff, you know, the cheap $30, $40, you know, RC type thing. Yeah. And he would have them for a month or so, hit a rock, break it, and that was done. And he and I had been watching for some time the, the videos on YouTube uh, from Motorama. And we were watching these tiny trucks. And I, you know, always thought it was kind of neat to uh, to watch it and, and to actually do it. So right. I... Uh, had a friend of mine who was into RC circle track racing. He was a, we were friends on Facebook and stuff. So I messaged him one day and I said, Hey, listen, I'm thinking about getting my son a better RC crawler. Do you have any brands that you would recommend? Cause I knew nothing about RC. I'd never picked up an RC controller, you know, hobby grade, anything like that. So he said, well, it's a, it's funny you, you say that because I happen to have a Red Cat Gen 7 that I, I got from a buddy of mine. I'm really not into it. Would you be interested in buying it? I said, yeah, let me take a look at it. I, you know, I talked the wife into it. I bought it. Little did I know that that was probably going to be one of the cheaper things I ever buy at RC. <laughs> um, we got it, gave it to him for Christmas, and he was over the moon. Three days later, after standing around watching him drive it, and we were kind of arguing over the controller, I went and bought my own Gen 7. As they say, the rest is history. I think I'm up to or over 20 RCs. Most of those are crawlers. That's quite the collection. Yeah. Yeah, you have me beat by many. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, but, but joking aside, Ed, I know that you've been working hard to move up into the world of competition. So how and when did you start making that transition from crawling in the backyard with your son to entering the comp scene? Well, I was very fortunate. Being new to the, to the hobby, not knowing, you know, who was into it or whatever, looking for information, I got on Facebook and I found a, a group, Eastern PA crawlers, RC crawlers, and I started messaging them and I found out that they do a lot of, a lot of events as a club. And I'm quite blessed to be living about 15 minutes away from Roush Creek Off-Road Park which is a very well-known one-to-one crawling off-road type stuff. And uh, they said that, hey, you know, we're, uh, we're going to have one of our first club events of the year up at Roush Creek. How would you like to come up and, and run? We went up there. So that day, you know, we showed up with our two trucks and charged batteries and everything. And so prior to going up there, a buddy of mine that I got to know gave me a aftermarket controller and uh, transmitter and receiver. So I swapped this out. So long story short, we're up there for our first day. You know, my son's all excited. I'm excited. We've been looking at doing this for almost three months. Yeah. So we're walking across the parking lot as a group. And next thing I know, my truck just starts going crazy. It's, I have no control over it. It was turned left. It was turned right. It was going forward, it was stopping. And I couldn't figure out what's wrong. We'll hear another guy in the group by, his name's Timmy. And uh, for some reason, Timmy's controller, his transmitter locked onto my receiver. <laughs> and he took control of my truck it was it was the weirdest thing i haven't seen anything since but our trucks were mirrored so as he went straight my truck went straight and, and vice versa it was oh like they God. were hooked in, in, in tandem and no matter what we did we could not unbind them we could not separate it so i'm getting ready to turn and look at my son i was getting ready to tell him hey listen buddy i'm sorry we got to pack up and go home dad's truck's broke Right. This this guy I didn't even know walked up to me. He's like, hey, bud, I see what's going on here. He says, I have a, another transmitter and a uh, receiver out in, in my pickup truck. Do you want it? And I'm like, sure. So we swapped everything out there on the spot and we went about our way. And of course, he went his way and with his group of friends, you know, it was still the same club, but we kind of yeah. got separated. I didn't even know this guy's name. So here's a guy I never met, gave me, uh, I think it was a Spectrum system so you know it wasn't a cheap system but no, no. 
just says, here, take it. Saved the day and turned out to be a very good friend of mine, uh, Muskie. So that's kind of how I got involved. In, and, and it's a long-winded way of, of answering your question about competition. So that leads into further on that year in June, the club was having the coal cracker and it's the Northeast scale nationals, I guess is what it was. So that June was my first exposure to competition and I was hooked, absolutely hook, line and sinker because for me, like I said, I'm a consummate tinker. So you, you go and, and you make adjustments and you research and you buy parts and stuff. Well, what better way to see if they're actually working than to put them to the test? Right. And also you've got the feedback in competition. If you're not running solo, you've got other people. To- oh, yeah. Yeah. It's it's the networking. It's it's the whole camaraderie right. thing about it. Yeah. And you, yeah. and you and you get to watch and see how other guys have their trucks set up and yeah. you know, ask questions. I've been involved in a lot of different hobbies and, and groups and so forth. I'll be honest. I have never met a group of people with such a diverse personal background that come together and literally it it just it's like your friends forever you know i've met more people than i can count everybody is just more than welcoming and willing to help i find what's interesting is that because it brings in different people from different areas you you see a very sort of different attitude and approach to things sometimes in conversation that brings in different aspects you see things from different ways because of that diversity exactly it's such a wide gamut of people that that are into the hobby. I think what I find amazing is how diverse the hobby of RC really is, even within the the crawling sector of it. I mean, there's, you know, and that's just a, just a, a snippet because you have planes and boats and all kinds of stuff. I mean, you know, it, it, it truly has the ability to, to fit what you're interested in. And it does seem to be that, especially in the competition realm, if you're not a tinkerer, if you don't like to sort of build and play around, you're almost faced to either buying off the shelf and there aren't too many competitive rigs out there that, that you can just buy off the shelf. It's either a commission piece or something you have to build yourself, isn't there? From, from a scale aspect, I would say probably not. And, and competitive is kind of a, a broad term. Mm. That's, that's, that's the other thing about the RC. You can go to, to local club events and say if it's a Circa Light type event and you can go and, and take a stock Traxxas TRX4, make some free modifications, change the wheels and tires and, and have a very competitive rig. If you want to go to the upper class or the next class up, which is class two five, that's when you start to get into the, the purpose built rigs with the custom chassis, you know, flat rail, carbon fiber, G10 type material chassis and the, right. and the, the highly modified vehicles. Right, that was at that level that I was alluding to. Just don't see those. You only ever see the parts for sale. Yeah, I, I don't know anybody that does turnkey, no. you know, almost RTR, full-blown comp rig, right. scale comp rig. So, I mean, the tinkering, is that something that you've always done from when you remember or is that something that you sort of came around through other, other means? I've, like I said, I've always been a tinkerer. I've always liked to, to do stuff, build stuff, um, test stuff. Um, I'm kind of blessed in being mechanically inclined. I grew up on a farm and you kind of had to be mechanically inclined to be right. self-sufficient. I would say that the RC hobby is the first thing that I've found that, that allows me to, to tinker down here in my workshop and then take it out with the family and, and use it. You know, prior to this, I was into building high-end AR-15 rifles. A bit of different. <laughs> yeah, um, I always had a shooting background, but anyhow, I, I kind of got into those late in life and bought my first one and found out that basically they're they're Legos for for men, yes. Um, yes. or anybody, or adults. Yeah, and um, you could buy and replace and upgrade, and, and then uh, luckily for the for the wallet, I found the RCs, which I don't know if I would add it all up if it's necessarily cheaper than some of my other hobbies I've been involved with but no. uh, it's definitely a lot more uh, fam- <laughs> family friendly shall we speak. I made the mistake I put everything that I purchased for a build into a database and I wish I hadn't done that <laughs> mm. it is scary to think how quickly it adds up I it just um, over last winter I built my first dedicated class 2 Sorka class 2 comp rig. I did like you did uh, uh, actually a friend of mine from the club asked me to give him a build sheet and I started listing all the parts that I that I uh, put together, and I started putting prices with it. And actually, I stopped putting prices with it. 
yeah yeah because it you know i kind of i kind of built it the way i want to build it you know what i mean it was uh it was a once and done type thing there's the, there's the answer isn't it in some respects because you're not buying it as a as a one-off unit because they you have to build them you don't look at it as a whole you it's those components that get you yeah yeah it's it's um it adds up quickly it yeah. adds up quickly but i'm very happy with the with the truck that i wound up with i'm sure there's probably some stuff i could do better moving forward here with the with the next build but it, it's the cost of the experience no. you know what i mean True. it was it was well worth every penny um, I just had the truck out yesterday doing some some tuning with uh, and testing with a friend of mine, and I love it. I absolutely love the truck. Yeah, obviously, when you you started in sort of in a very basic way, and um, you obviously decided to move it up a notch, so you're looking at Sorker events now and and uh, of that caliber. So that's changed the vehicle that you require and everything else. What other steps have you taken to advance yourself as to becoming a, a more competitive driver? Um. I've kind of become a, a student of the hobby. There's a there's a gentleman, uh, Bill Riddle, and he's put out some some really good instructional videos. And I've watched several of them, and they've been enlightening. Because you know you can you can watch something from the sidelines, and you think you understand what's going on, you and you can only surmise what you know what the driver's thinking or you know what his plan is but bill does a really good job in in, in narrating you know I'm, I'm i'm doing this i'm coming up here i'm, I'm anticipating that but just getting out and competing and driving it's just like anything else you can't uh you can't replace time it takes work i mean there are some people that just have natural driving ability i'm not one of them yeah you know i i'll admit i got into this hobby late in life turned 52 back in november probably picking up as quick as I, I would have say 20 <laughs> years ago. Um, but uh, it's, uh, it's definitely an addiction. Yeah. I think that we've spoken about this uh, before, but there's a lot more to it when you actually get into the competition realm. There is the car, which is the obvious, you know, you build yourself, modify your car in order to compete at whatever stage, but the actual event itself brings in so many different facets. It brings in, you know, how you, what how you drive each gate the way you exit the gate set yourself up for the next gate watching your time thinking about the points the penalties the sort of the mental math on on the fly so to speak i mean there are so many components to it uh, and it was interesting if you watch some of like you say watching some of bill reddle's videos he's even like when i saw you know several people take this approach i decided to do this approach you know there's all those machinations that go on it, it's you start to until you do it though <laughs> You don't realize that it's so easy to get lost in the weeds, isn't it? It is. Um, I never, when I started down this, never realized what type of a, a of a strategy game it is and what type of a, for lack of a better term, mind game, Right. you know, thinking. I just thought, you know, you just kind of went out there and drove, drove right. it as it came. And I had done that in the past and didn't always work out so well. I didn't have a plan. Yeah. But I think it's, it's hard because the, you practice, you drive in your backyard, you drive on your local trails, and it's all about driving. And it's just doing that. But when you actually start to say, well, no, you have to go here, you can't go, you know, you put gates in the way, and you put people watching you, you put the timing and everything else, it just starts to pile on. It just, you know, the, those, all those layers build up and create a completely different scenario it, it just becomes so much more than just the driving, which doesn't seem obvious to perhaps someone from the outside. It just looks like you're driving, but you, as you know, there's way more going on in your mind, isn't there? There's so many factors you need to bring in. There is. And that's this past year, I really started paying attention to uh, a lot of the good drivers uh, at some of these competitions. They put in the work, put in the work before they get there. And they put in the work the day of before they run. Um, they're out walking the course. They're, you know, they're looking at it. They're, they're talking uh, amongst themselves and they are watching their fellow competitors as they go through, you know, which is, which is kind of unique. I would, I would think because you know, it doesn't seem to be, uh, you know, they don't draw for starting positions. You just kind of walk up, drop your truck in line and go when you want to go. Um, there's some people that want to go first and get it over with and just run it. And then there's others that want to hang back and, you know, well, 
I want to see how this guy did this. And I want to see how, you know, that kind of thing. Right. If you want to go out and have fun, just go out and, and run and have competition. And, you, you know, you know, you can you can do that. You can just show up, drive and, and have a good time. And but if if you want to um, progress up through the standing, so to speak, and really test yourself, and then, you, you know, you have to put some work in. you have to get serious about it. Right. I think it's the danger of things like YouTube. I think it doesn't matter what sport or what interest, you know, you look at people and they demonstrate something on YouTube or they do something, they film themselves and you think, wow, that's pretty neat. And it doesn't look that hard. But if you actually knew them or you got involved that you often find there's, there's either years of practice behind that. There's a lot of hard work. Um, there's a lot of research. Like you say, they don't just walk up and it happens invariably, you know, they've planned things out and they've got things going on in their mind. It is complicated and they're is far more going you know and you do have to work at those all the various disciplines that come into mind like i said if, if, if you want to get serious about competition you know there's a lot of preparatory work both um with the vehicles and 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 with yourself you know before i go to competition i you know always go over my trucks and make sure it's tight and right and everything's the way it's supposed to be and you know show up today and the competition and and try to do the same mentally yeah so do you practice i mean apart from just practice driving do you try and simulate any of the other pressures that you get or any other those game plans um not as much as i should <laughs> not as much as i should um yeah. we were out yesterday and and uh took some some gates along to set up on a course to try to run some gates um most of my driving experience has been with a group of friends and we kind of go out and it it can turn into two hours of here hold my beer or i bet you can't make that or hey i made this right. can you and and that's what kind of pushes you in right. your driving ability but i think if i want to progress into placing better at, at some of the competitions i need to kind of get away from that less structured driving and kind of go out and set some gate and, and push myself and push the truck yeah and and it's funny because when i was setting this truck up i was talking with a with a friend of mine and he's like well you know you need to, you need to tune the truck to your driving style and i said driving style what do you mean driving style well yeah are you a fast aggressive driver are you slow methodical driver are you i'm like you mean their styles i just go out drop the truck down pull the trigger and see what happens it doesn't work that way so that's, you know, it's, it's multifaceted. Moving forward, are you setting goals for 2022? And yes. Um, I, it, it, the main thing is to keep doing what I did here towards the end of 2021, trying to get to as many competitions as I can, drive my truck more. I went down to Super Shafty for the fall crawl on the end of September, and I didn't have as much drive time on the truck as I probably should have. I think it showed my performance. Yeah, I mean, that's that's pretty much the game plan for 2022 is just to keep building upon uh, what I've learned the, the previous year. Yeah, I mean, super sharpie. That's, I mean, that's a pretty tough course. Yeah, yeah. It was more difficult than I could have anticipated, more fun than I could have ever imagined. I placed... 100th out of 125 or so people in my class and i was absolutely ecstatic i was having a discussion with a family member how do you think you did and i, I did wonderful well, where'd you place i placed 100th out of 125 drivers and they kind of looked at me i said no you don't understand i completed right. three of the four courses okay yeah and i was just missed completing the 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 last course by i was on the 10th gate and timed out i said i'm over the moon with that i mean obviously i wanted to do better but you know the, the amount of experience and information and learning that I took away from it is well surpasses my placing in the ranks. Yeah. So what was different with Super Shafty as an event compared to say locally? I think the, the level of competition, the level of the drivers, I mean, they're, they're pulling people, they pull people in from all over the country for some good, really, really, really good drivers there. Right. Yeah. If you look down the results list, I mean, there's a lot of recognizable names there. One of the guys from our area, Dave Zettelmoyer, was in the in the top five. And I think class one, class two, and maybe even class three. I mean, there's there's a local guy wow. that is a, a national level competitor. Yeah. Uh, it was really neat to watch Davey Z run. Any lessons learned? <laughs> yeah, the, the the biggest takeaway is kind of what I what I had said earlier about, you know, showing up to the event with the right mindset, making sure you're right and tight, you know, making sure your your equipment is put together right and you've got it dialed in to the best of your ability. Your experience with with how the truck's going to react you know the only pressure that you're you're under is the pressure that you put on yourself i mean obviously there's time constraints so your ability to to manage that pressure and to manage that stress of having extremely difficult terrain with relatively short time frames 
in which to to get through it. You know, they 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 build those courses to be tough, right. both mentally and 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 on the equipment. Right. I mean, you so, can see, and I think when the severity of the course picks up like that, it's very easy that it stops you looking forward because you're more focused on the obstacle or the gate at hand. When when you should you should be looking at a bigger picture too. You've got to be looking at your exit point, your entry point. Well, yeah, I call it I call it the list of contingencies. Say gate two on course three. I, I'm just using it as an example. Yeah. You want to come into that at a certain aspect and a certain angle and that's going to set you up for for the next gate okay or you know your exit how you exit that gate if something goes wrong if you don't you don't hit your marks so to speak and you don't or the truck doesn't react the way you anticipate it's going to react you have to have the the ability to think on the fly and adjust it you know like mike tyson said everybody has a plan that they get punched in the face for me i have a plan until they say go you know and that's the biggest <laughs> yeah. thing is 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 having a plan and, and having the ability to stick to it as close as possible to work yourself through the different situations and that's i think for me that's the biggest return personally that i get from competition is that that stressor of having to solve problems in a very short time period. You know, there was a couple of times where my truck kind of, it just flipped over and it went down into a, dropped into a crevice. And I'm like, how am I going to work myself out of this? And you just keep trying different things and working. And, you know, I had a spotter. That's one of the first times I've ever used a spotter to kind of help me. And I call it uh, my emotional crutch because he, he helped. You know, there was a couple of times he's like, you know, Ed, calm down, take a breath. And I started yeah. getting myself worked up, which helped me refocus. And he's calling out, you know, he's calling out my points. And that was one of the, one of the biggest things that I, that I took away from that is just the whole gamesmanship. I learned a term down there that weekend called taking a gate dirty. I'm like, I heard somebody say that. Well, I'll take that dirty if I have to. What's that mean? Well, what you got to understand that is, you know, you have X amount of time to get through something. And if you don't complete the course, if you get a DNF, that's a hundred point penalty against you. Whereas pointing out is 80 points. So there may be a time where you're going to run out of time where you just need to blow through that gate to get progress to complete the course. Yeah. And it, it becomes, I guess, almost like a chess game. You figure, okay, yeah, you know, great. I'm going to yeah. sacrifice this for the greater good to, to get through here. Right. And that's that's something that wasn't even on my radar prior to going to, to an event like Super Shafty. Right. And I think when you watch those events, it's always hard because, you know, sometimes there's an obstacle or, or the gate, they look like they're having problems. Some people stay and work at it and others go straight to a winch. And I can see the experience in going straight to the winch and the person that works at it, if they manage to pull it off in a couple of, in a couple of moves, they go, they took two or three moves to do it and they managed it so they don't take any penalties for winching. And I think that's, that, was, that was great. But when you're actually doing it, that takes a presence of mind but what point you call it you know what i mean it's like Mm -hmm. sometimes you see people go beyond where they should have done and they still keep attempting it's like stop it stop it you know you're not getting there you you know the definition of stupidity right doing the same thing over and over again expecting a different outcome right right um i think i need to have that tattooed on my forehead or printed on the inside (laughs) of my glasses because i can't tell you how many times as a competitor driver myself I just keep running straight into that wall and then get the same result. And and you're right. It, it kind of keys off of what you were saying. You know, you have to have that presence of mind to realize, hey, you know, plan A isn't working. Right. Plan, I got to switch. I got to switch something. I got to do something different to get myself out of this. And once again, it's those problem solving skills. You have to have the ability to recognize what the situation is and what are my options to work through it. Right. And I think you can see, you know, a friend of mine was saying that, having a spotter is a really good way to to help you sort of develop those skills you know because sometimes having someone on the outside can actually say hey let's go to the winch let's move forward or let's think about your exit point here or you know i mean they can point out things that perhaps when you're you're focused on the actual gate itself and they're also you know don't forget this aspect or don't forget the end you know the exit angle that helps you not become too blink you know, exactly scenario. exactly yeah you can get you can get front sight focused too much right and and, and can't see the forest from trees so right. i mean we're all so much smarter with hindsight well you know you come out of it you go oh you know people go why didn't you just reverse around that you go i didn't think of that you know <laughs> yeah. and, it, and it's those sort of forehead slapping moments sometimes you know and, and i think that was the biggest difference um that i saw between myself and some of the other top drivers is their ability to have alternatives they know the rule book in other words uh there was a particular gate on the one course that was was pretty steep and the exit of it was 
pretty tricky. And I looked at that gate originally and I'm thinking, okay, well, I'm going to go up here and I'm going to go through there. I'll go through that gate and come down around. And I watched this guy, he kind of pulled up through, he got his back wheels beyond the, the gate and the judge said progress and he backed down through it and went around. And I'm thinking to myself, that's genius. Yeah. That's genius. He just <laughs> avoided all those obstacles on the backside of that gate. Okay. It's hundred percent legal. You know what I mean? Right. That's using your head. That's thinking smart. And right. that's what it's about. I mean, if I was to sum it up, it would be smart about yeah. it. And that, I mean, as I say, that's that's easy to do in hindsight or, or when you watch other people do stuff. Like you say, you look at moves and you go, oh, I wish I'd thought of that. That was amazing. You know, but I mean, sometimes that's the growth process as well, isn't it? Because watching people do take alternate route, maybe next time you see something similar, you'll go, I can see an alternate route. On that. Yeah, I would say if, you know, if, if some of your listeners are interested in getting into to competition. You know, I, I wasn't really sure where to start. I just kind of showed up, dropped my truck down and tried to drive. Yeah. And it's exactly right. And that's how everybody kind of starts. Some of the things I wish I would have known before I started was some of the things I've already gone over. Go over your vehicle, make sure everything is, is the way it's supposed to be. Everything's functioning the way it's supposed to be. Just like you would prepare for any other type of competition, show up early to the competition. Um, don't get rushed as far as getting checked in and, and, and just kind of watch and see and, and have fun. That's the biggest thing. The other, the other thing, getting back to Super Shafty that I yeah. thought was neat was to see the national, what I'm going to call the, the national teams. You know, there were several manufacturers that were there that were represented with, with a group of team drivers and to watch, uh, watch the interaction, the team members with each other and watch how the team worked and stuff was, was really, really neat yeah, to see. I can see that. Now you're, you're a team driver yourself. I am. I've been, I've been blessed to be a part of some teams. Um, I'm currently on Trio Hobby team i was on in 2021 i was on uh, dsm off-road as as a as a team driver um they've decided to discontinue the team moving into 2022 and go a little bit different route but yeah it's uh that's been an experience really yes yeah yeah go ahead no i was gonna say positive or yes very positive one of the things that i kind of went into being part of a team with is, is is the understanding that it's a job okay you know teams put people on as their representative, okay? And and they're hoping to get um, positive product exposure and representation at at events and, and, and club get togethers and stuff like that. They have certain levels of, of expectations. It varies from, from team to team, but they're looking for you to, to be an ambassador uh, for their company. Right. So it's more, it's more about the personality of us. About. It is. When I was down there at Super Shafty, I, you know, I went around to a couple of different manufacturers and I'm like, Hey, what do you look for in a team driver? And there was one common answer that stood out above all else. And that's be a good person, be a good ambassador for the hobby but yeah i mean that's that's kind of you know there's team drivers and and then what they call brand ambassadors team drivers are people that tend to to go to more of the competitions and and compete and represent the manufacturers in that aspect and then your brand ambassadors are are the people who are probably more social media active they are you know, looked upon to expose a new product to the market through social media and you know so forth right so to just create create awareness and keep keep the mind the product uppermost in people's minds exactly yeah exactly that's some of the pros um some of the cons if you want to call it that when it's known that you are a team driver or even if it's not you're kind of held to a different standard you know you you want to make sure that whatever you say and do you're representing yourself first and foremost in a positive light which and also the company because what you say and do is is a reflection on that company. We all know that, you know, you spend much time on Facebook. It's easy to get into the what I call the Facebook battles where one person says something and then yeah. you kind of jump in and stuff like that. You know, that's that's not really um, something that I choose to engage because I don't want to portray my personal perspective or opinion and have it misconstrued as, as being associated with one of the, one of the companies that I represent. Right. Yeah. I think sometimes I've seen people get themselves involved in with, with good intentions. They're not, they're not trying to antagonize or, or uh, fan the flame, so to speak, 
but you know even sometimes the best advice people just come back at it with with such sort of venom and it's like it's best to walk away yeah yeah and you just gotta kind of kind of roll with it i mean right, there, are, right. there are people who you know for whatever reason they they take a very vehement opinion about things and about the way they do things and that's the only way to do it yeah you know it kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier you know the one thing that makes this hobby so great is you build a truck the way you want to build it okay you you have your truck you add stuff to your truck because you think that's that looks nice that's the way you want it and you know you got to keep that in perspective it's whatever works for you and at the end of the day it's it's your truck you don't right. have to please anybody you're not building it for anybody but you right I think the fun part for me is, you know, the RC does give you that. I like to tinker and it's fun to play around. And it's nice to think you've, you know, you've, you've evaluated a situation. You think you've seen a shortfall, you, you know, change the truck up, you buy a different product, you fix the shortfall. And now you've got, you've made that. It's a nice feeling. You actually go, wow, you know, my truck's doing better than it did when I've been, you know, when I finished tinkering with it, it did better than it did beforehand, hopefully. And or just, that, yeah, I was just going to yeah. say, or just the opposite now. It doesn't or just the opposite, all. yeah. yeah. But, I mean, and, and, but I mean, that's how you learn, isn't it? I mean, that, those, that tinkering is exactly good or bad. I mean, if you make a change and it's 10 times worse than it was when you, and you go, okay, I got that wrong. But, that, but you just learned something which is yeah you, know. you had a, a guest on a previous show a gentleman from deluxe fab yeah matt Bates, uh, yes yeah matt and he had a very valid point he's like don't go changing a bunch of things at once change right. one thing at a time right. and see how it works i mean with these trucks with crawlers in general there's some basic principles that come into play you know um you want to try to keep your center of gravity as low as possible you know, you want to try to keep the, the wheelbase, the tire, what, whatever, it all comes into play. I mean, there's, but beyond that, it's, you, you do what you got to do to get the truck to perform the way you want it to perform. There's so many aspects just within crawling. There's, there's people that are purely into the, the scale aspect of it. They right. want it to look as realistic as possible. And I got to be honest with you, when I first got into the hobby, I kind of looked at these people and I thought they were a little nerdy and I'm kind of like, hmm wow, that, that seems a little, a little out there. And then I had the, the realization that people that are into the scale aspect of it more so are really no different than, than I was when I was building models as a kid. My, my objective and my goal was to build that model to make it look as realistically as possible. Right, right. The only difference is these guys do it and then they take their trucks out on the trail and drive them. Yeah. You know what I mean? Right. So, and I think, you know, I found there seems to be a little bit of an evolution too. I just talked to a buddy of mine on the phone the other day and he's like, you know, I think I'm going to sell all my comp rigs and just do, you know, do trail runs. I'm like, are you crazy? How, you know, you're, you're, you're big into competition. You go, you know, you do well. And it's like, yeah, I'm just kind of over. And it got me thinking he has probably three or four more years in the hobby than I do. And maybe there will be a point in, in my journey where I say, you know what, I'm just kind of done with the competition. I'm just out here to run trails and have fun. To me, I don't see that because I'm so enthralled with, with seeing how far I can push the truck and how far I can push myself that I'm not ready to kind of just, I don't know, go out and run trails and have fun. I mean, I, I, I like to run trails. Your focus is different. I mean, right Yeah, now, as you and yeah. I talked about previously, you know, on the phone, I tend to trail to get from one difficult object to the other. Right. You know what I mean? Oh, I'm bad. And I think the scale things, it's a state of mind. I called with the guy and, and he, 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 in our group, he was having trouble. It turns out he was basically running a scale class one, you know, leaf spring truck. And, you know, he, he was struggling, but at the end of it, he was as pleased as punk because he managed to do all those elements with a leaf sprung truck. Yeah. And that was the joy in that. And the moment you look at that perspective, it's like people that ride Vicks wheel mountain bike, you know, why give up 21 gears for one? But they take great pleasure in doing the same thing you've just done in one gear. And I mean, if that's what makes you happy, that's what makes you happy. Well, when I got into the hobby, one of, one of my first couple of rigs was a, uh, a Wraith with 2.2 tires on it. Right. I love that truck because I could go out and pretty much climb over anything. Okay. That is probably one of my least driven trucks right now because it is so capable. It just became the point where it wasn't fun. Right. You know, and I had heard this adage a long, long time ago when I first got into this, that tiny truck or tiny tires make better drivers. Yeah. Okay. The guys that are running the 4.19s, it's harder. You know, it, it is because you don't have the ground clearance and, and they're running, you know, some of them are running lease front trucks and stuff like that. You have to think about it more. You have to pick your lines better. You have to, you know, you can't just go out and plow through stuff. Right. And it's funny because I, I would have never thought that I would be interested in a, in a class one truck. 
They just didn't do anything for me. Well, this winter, I plan on building a class one. Yeah. I'm waiting till I see what the new circle rules are, because it's my understanding that there's going to be some big changes in class one coming. Oh, really? No, that was the other thing from Super Shafty. I was running the Lexan body and I was at 38 points and the max points were 50. Those 12 points, they hurt me. Yeah. They hurt me. I could have uh, I could have used those 12 points. So yeah, if you're going to go to a level, uh, competition like that, make sure you're maxed out on your points because you, it's just an <laughs> unnecessary disadvantage. Right. So I mean, so obviously you're moving into the higher end of, of the Sorka competition, which is where you've got your eye, where you're going. Early. Currently, yeah. Yeah. Um, you, you still think there's plenty of scope for people to, you can achieve that with a slightly modified truck or a heavily modified truck? At, at a local level? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I truly I truly think there can be. And, you know, it, it all comes down to what you're running against. You know, right. if you take That's my true. G-Speed that I built for Super Shafty and, and put that up against a somebody that has a, a modified RTR, it's, it's going to be difficult now. I can tell you there are people out there that can take a modified RTR and just clean my clock if I'm running my G-Speed because they're drivers. You know what I mean? There, there's no, you can't buy your way to the top. And what I mean by that is you can go out and buy the best equipment. Okay. But that doesn't assure success. You know, it, it goes back to what we were talking about earlier about putting in the time and driving. Yeah. No, no, I think that's hard. That's something it's very easy to lose sight of that set. You know, maybe you're better off rather than spending a couple of hours on the internet looking at drive shafts, you know, you might be better off spending a couple of hours driving. You know? <laughs> well, and the other thing is, and, and, I, and I said this to a couple of more experienced drivers, I'm like, you guys, you want to make a fortune? Why don't you offer a coaching service? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Where you can go out and run clinics or, you know, for X amount of dollars per hour, I will pay you to stand there and tell me what I'm doing wrong. Because in, in some people that, that, that would be very beneficial, like, like myself, you know, yeah. I can, it goes back to that definition of stupidity, doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different outcome. But if I don't know what the alternatives are, I have no other choice, but to bumble through it till I finally figure it out. Right. And that process can get expensive. It can, yeah. it can, both in time and money, you know, and that, and that's the, the biggest thing for me when, it, when, you know, when we're talking about competition is, is to understand that I am extremely new to this. I'm, I'm novice at best, you know, and I, and I look at some of the other drivers, like, you know, like I mentioned before and, and just watch what they can do. You know, I wish, I wish I had the ability to do that Vulcan mind melt where I just take all of their knowledge and all their experience and just, <laughs> put it in my head right but you know you, you got to put the work in yeah but you're putting yourself out there and i mean that will come i am sure of it oh yeah but oh yeah you have to yeah. be i mean you have to be out and playing to 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 get those rewards and i mean you will it's just you're starting to put the time in now that's what you're doing now exactly you know? exactly and I'm, I'm by nature not a very patient person my my wife and son tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> i want everything yesterday but uh you're right. You're right. You know, there's a lot of people out there that have paid a lot of dues and, yeah. and, and done a lot of work. But to me, I am having an absolute blast with right. this whole hobby. Like I said, you meet some wonderful people. Um, I got to be a part of, you know, like I said, like the trio hobby team, great group of guys, a, a wealth of, of knowledge and experience. You know, I know that if I run into a problem with something, I can, you know, I can call them up on, on the Facebook group and say, Hey, listen, guys, I'm having this problem. What do you think? And, and get legitimate answers, not the Facebook warrior speculation that, that all too often is out there. There's so much misinformation out there um, from people that, you know, in their own right, think they, they have the answer. No. And it may may not be right. It's amazing when you look at the internet, going back when we had to go to the library and things like that, or go to the local hobby shop for our information, you know, what you can glean by just spending a few hours on the computer is absolutely amazing. But also misinformation out there is also, you know, and I mean, and it depends on your personal experience, but I mean, if you sort of throw out there, what's the best tire, you know, I mean, it, it's always, I mean, what, I mean, oh, it's amazing, I, I love it? those comments. I, and I think, it, but like someone said, where do you live? What kind of terrain do you drive on? What kind of vehicle do you have? You know, some people just just give you an answer without knowing any oh yeah factors. oh yeah yeah and what's it, the best tire like, especially when in this country if you go east to west on the wooded trails of northeastern pa or you're out in moab the two terrains are so far apart that the chances are of having one product that can do both both those terrains is, is you know yeah and 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 like i said i sometimes have to fight the urge to answer those questions when i see them on facebook what's the best tire yeah. and my answer would be the best tire that works for you and your rig and your right. driving style yeah. Yeah. You know, there is no one simple answer. I mean, there's, you know, 
obviously good, you don't want good tires and bad tires. Oh yeah, you don't want to put a set of mud style tractor tires on your crawler and expect it to drive up. You know what I mean? But it, it and it's not just the tires too. Um, you can have the latest, greatest tire that's out there on the market for a crawler. And if you don't have the right foams in them, they're not going to perform the way they need to perform for you. It, it's it's such a multifaceted aspect of, of getting a truck to work right. I mean, there's right. so many contributing factors that go into it. Oh, it's the classic rabbit hole, isn't it? Because it's the same as one-to-ones. You start getting into it. You, the moment you start changing things beyond standard, you could improve or you could you could uh, unimprove your vehicle, if that's a proper word. Um, but you, I mean, you know, you can you can make so many changes, and if you get involved in some, you know, frame geometry and suspension and things like that, I mean, you can go down a rabbit hole for for years because i mean some of the some of the experience and the, the knowledge required to like make some determinations is just vast oh yeah i mean it, it kind of goes back to what i was saying earlier and in, in the fact that there are some basic underlying rules or laws of physics that come into play you know what i mean yeah i uh i'm not sure if this was dumb or smart on my part but this about a you know last christmas i went down to build i decided i was going to build a, a comp right and i had uh was cruising Facebook one night and I saw this ad for a company called UGRC Labs. They're based out of Ohio. And I've always been a, a, a Red Cat fan. Now, Red Cat is kind of the AMC of the RC world. Okay. They have some good products, but they take some work to get them to, to really, really, really perform. So this, this UGRC Labs, um, Smitty's is the owner really nice guy, got to be a good friend of mine, markets a chassis specifically for the Red Cat Gen 8. And basically the way he designed it is it's kind of a comp chassis that you take all your drivetrain and some of the components off the off the stock chassis and you, you bolt it onto this. So it's basically, it comes with a frame rail skid and, and some other attachments. It just totally transforms that truck. You got to drive my, what I call the Purple Predator. Yes, yeah. That was when we were up at Garrett's yeah. and that's a yeah. UGRC Labs truck. And that truck works very, very well. Yes, it does. So he kind of took all the stuff you were just talking about as far as geometry and stuff like that and mounting points and stuff and kind of figured that out and, and made it a, a package. Right. To get that truck to perform the way I wanted it to perform was not nearly as easy as say my G-Speed. The G-Speed or that kind of truck is what I call a menu truck, okay? Where you can kind of go onto their website and you pick this, you know, their their G-Speed chassis and you they recommend, you know, they have these skids and you can call up hardcore RC or in the work links and say, hey, you know, or go onto their website. They have a really great, both of those uh, companies have really great user interfaces. We're saying, okay, I'm running this chassis, this skid, these axles, blah, 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 these, and hit enter. And they'll say, okay, this is the links you need. Right. So you kind of bring all those components together and you just kind of boat it together. And, and for the most part, it'll work really well right out, right out of the box. Whereas the the place that I took my UGRC labs to the chassis was beyond that. You know what I mean? It would, I can only surmise that it would work great out of the box. I mean, I know what the improvements it did to, to the truck that I had. I can only imagine what the UGRC labs chassis will do for a stock Gen 8. I didn't have a stock Gen 8. I kind of started uh, getting components to use from the Gen 8 into the UGRC labs. But yeah, I, I wound up with a really great, great, what I'm going to call a trail killer. That's what yeah. I built the Predator for. There's a there's a friend of mine in the club who kind of always set the gold standard with one of his trucks. He had a power wagon. And I was bound and determined this winter to uh, or build a truck that was going to beat the power wagon. That was kind of my my yeah. thing. <laughs> and uh, I like to think that I came pretty close to it. But yeah, I mean, it's it's uh, it's a great thing. No, no. I mean, there's, there's so much to learn. I mean, the, you know, especially if you want to tinker and you want to sort of understand, I mean, if you want to make changes, you need to understand what you're doing. Yeah. If you, if you, uh, you don't want to just. If you want to shorten the learning curve. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it, 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 it's, it's always helpful to, to have the, the understanding and the knowledge and the back work, uh, back, background as to what, what certain aspects and, how the right. components do and how they affect other things. Right. But I mean, moving into the realm where you're going, I think, you know, that knowledge becomes more and more invaluable because I mean, you are going to want to tailor that truck to your, I mean, I think what that your friend said about the driving style, I could see how that could influence how you might set your truck up. You know, I mean, maybe you could take your truck and then have someone say, well, your driving style would suit this geometry like a little bit better or make some adjustments. Do you think? Yeah. And I think a lot of that, you know, has to do with, with um, your shocks, how you set your shocks up, what shock rate or shock oil you use, the weight of the shock oil, the springs and so forth, you know, could kind of, I'm only surmising because I'm still trying to get my head wrapped around that whole driving style thing. Cause I really don't even know what, 
kind of style I have. I just kind of, you know, I, I, I think I um, learned from, from some really good drivers that I just kind of ran trails with and, and that's kind of how I drive, you know, yeah. it's just. Are well, you finding your path? I mean, I think that, I mean, your style will out at some point. I mean, it, it'll just be, you'll be a, an extension of you. Of how you exactly. And, and, and once again, it, it goes back to the whole RC thing, the whole, yeah. you know, my truck is an extension of me. It's a, right. it, it's, it's a culmination of everything that I know and everything that I, you know, have seen and, and, and done and just kind of put it together to see if it works. It, it, you know, it's a great test media. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, I mean, it sounds like you're setting yourself up for a, for a good run at it next year. Uh, I, I hope so. Otherwise, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be a little disappointed, but yeah. yeah. Hey, and any thoughts of scale nationals? At some That's definitely one of my f- future. I know um, we're planning on going to beat the Creek down in uh, Kentucky in oh. May. Um, I've heard that's a really, really good event. My buddy and, and his son and my son and I are going. We're going to kind of do a little father-son trip together. Nice. Um, really excited about that. Yeah. Really excited about that. Wow, you got some traveling plans. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I plan on going back down to Super Shafty. Uh, I'm really looking forward to, to competing in Motorama at Motorama this year. That's in February at the Farm Show. Oh, wow, um, you're competing in that? Yes, oh, yes. Wow. Yeah, uh, both myself and my son are going to compete in it mainly because that's where we started. It was the the spark that lit the flame is watching those, those videos of previous events on YouTube. Yeah. Yeah. I know they uh, know a couple of guys that, that uh, helped put it on and I know they put an immense amount of work into it. Brian Parker and Adam Hoopler and stuff like that. You know, they, uh, they work really hard to put on a good event. Yes, they do. Um, I'll be going, you know, a, a, a regular event for us is the recon G6 which is held in July at uh, Blue Rocks Family Campground in Lenartsville. That's yeah. that's an awesome time. If any of your listeners are looking for a family-oriented event, that that's definitely a, a must-do. Right. That's that Slippery um, Rock PA, right? What's that? Is that the one near Slippery Rock PA? No, no, that's actually uh, towards towards Allentown. It's off of Route oh. 78 in a place called Lenartsville. Okay. Um, it's held at the Blue Rocks Family Campground. That's in July. That's a that's a Recon G6 event. They do um, they do two events on that weekend. They do what's called the the Fix Enduro, and then they do the the Recon G6. Now the Fix Enduro, I don't ever see me participating in that. That's a three hour, six hour, or twelve hour endurance event. Right. Yeah. Where you run your truck constantly for three, six, or twelve hours. A couple of my buddies have competed in in the twelve hour, and that's just mind boggling to I me. Mean, that's like saying, hey, let's go run a marathon. No, no, not to, yeah. but uh, that's a true test of, of driver and vehicle endurance. Right. They, you know, they kind of, if you break down on the trail, you kind of got to fix it there. But the other aspect that I get, you know, I'm excited about is, is the G6. It's kind of like a competition where they give you a scorecard and you go out and they have, usually it's like five courses set up. And I, th- I forget the gate number. It's quite a few gates. And you, and you kind of think of it as, as a, um, a scored trail run so you go out and you know if you roll over you you know take a penalty point if you whatever and there's certain things along the trail where uh, there's photo opportunities where you pull your truck up in front of something and and take a picture of it right so it's great yeah i would like to do a re6 event i haven't been some stuff well come on down we're yeah. gonna have a cabin there and come hang out with us for the weekend yeah it's a it's a blast that, sound, that does sound fun do you build a different truck for do you have a like a g6 style truck that you build um not i don't have a dedicated truck i mean obviously i wouldn't be taking my g-speed down there because it's not really it's kind of like taking a formula one car on a rally course type thing yeah but yeah i have i'm quite blessed with a number of of rigs here that are well suited for the for the g1 or g6 the purple truck be our choice i i did run that there um actually my my original truck my uh red cat gen 7 now the only thing i have of the original truck are the frame rails everything else has been swapped out changed upgraded (laughs) so forth that is still one of my favorite trucks to drive and is quite capable for the for the g6 there's nothing on the g6 that is is stupid difficult right you know like you would see on say a cop course or something like that this past year they had uh, a night run oh i almost i'd be very remiss if i didn't say my my newest appointment as a team driver is to aiden builds rc um it's a young kid aiden hoopler he's uh 12 years old and he has his own 3d printing business does some 
really, really neat stuff. And one of the things that he and his father did for the Recon G6 is they made LED trail markers and they used them for the night run. They made hundreds of these little LED trail markers that were on sticks. Oh and God. I wish it, it was raining this past year or I would have got a, a video of it. But when you start there at, at the beginning of the trail of the night run and you look up and all you see is these hundreds of little LED trail markers throughout the trail you kind of take off and they had little uh light up led space creatures and octopuses and stuff like that throughout the trail it was oh it was God. epic <laughs> it was epic yeah yeah and and the camaraderie you get you get to see people from all over the all over the the area the east coast west coast you know come in for that and stuff um brian parker uh puts on a wonderful event he he kind of organizes all yeah. of it yeah, and uh, yeah, I would I would definitely try to uh, make it to to the Recon G6 since you're here in PA. It's not yeah. that not that big of a drive for you. Yeah, do you have anywhere where people can follow your progress? I don't. Um, I'm you know I'm I'm on Facebook. I'm I'm not a big Instagram user. I I should be uh, more so. No, I mean like I said, I'm I'm pretty active on Facebook. Yeah. Yeah. But anybody has any questions or whatever, you know, I'm not gonna say I know the answer, but I probably know somebody that does. <laughs> You hey, that's I mean? always a good guy to talk to. Yeah. My book. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's all about networking. It's all about, you know, having that quote unquote RC village. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, if I missed anything, Ed, is there anything you, you like to add? Before? No, I think, I think we're good. Well, I really appreciate your time today, Ed, for joining us and, and telling us about your experiences. I'm sure a lot of people are going to get you know, a lot of value from, from your lessons learned, your observations moving forward. I mean, it's a big move from in a short space of time, really, for what you're trying to do. Here, so. Like I said, I, I get more out of it than I than I put into it. I think you know, it's it's something that my son and I and 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 the wife can can go out and do, and it gets us out of the house and yeah. and gets us around some really great people that I know are going to wind up being lifelong friends. Oh, that's great. Hey, well, I wish you all success, and I, I'm sure. Uh, Maybe we'll meet up at some events uh, next year by the same I hope so. I hope yeah. so. We're not that far apart geographically. So, um, you know, we can see you up at the Garrett compound or wherever. Yeah, I'll have to, we'll have to stay in touch and see how get our calendars to combine. So that'd be fun. There you go. All righty, sir. Hey, well, thank you very much, Ed. Thank you. Have a good day. And you. Hi. Well, I hope you enjoyed this episode and like me, got something really useful out of it. I feel I must take this opportunity to apologise both to you, the listeners, and also to Ed Wenger, because despite a good pre-show soundtrack, as you may have noticed, we had some serious issues with the microphone on our end. We did do our best to fix the soundtrack in post-production, and even patched in some sections to maintain the original recording as best we could. The offending microphone has been removed and currently resides in an undisclosed location. I hope you can hear from this recording my other microphone is working just fine. So not the best start to 2022, but fingers crossed the year ahead is looking better already. So again, my apologies, and I hope that it did not affect your listening enjoyment too much. As usual, thank you so much for listening. Please feel free to reach out to me with your thoughts or comments, and I will do my best to reply to them all. You can find us at RC Truck Talk on Facebook, Instagram or Gmail. If you enjoyed this episode, then please recommend us to a friend and if possible, leave a review. Credits, music by Crowenda, audio by Lee Street Studio Production. And again, I thank you all for listening and I hope you can make some time to get a little dirt or snow on those tyres.